as the Nationals went in their first extra innings game of the year and notched their first win in extras. I'm going to tell you who should have their last appearance in that closer role right after this. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB and they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. And that is with our friends at birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. And guys, thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day as we are free and available wherever. You get your podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Claren. For all the everydayers out there, you already know who I am. I've taken my passion for this baseball team in the District of Champions here with the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get your team every day. Later on in the show, we're going to preview this Sandy Alcantara start against Trevor Williams tonight. As Sandy Alcantara has not been the same as last year, he won the Cy Young Award but it has not been a pretty start for him so far in 2023. I'm going to get you that preview as Trevor Williams takes on Sandy Alcantara as well. We're going to preview that start a little bit later on in the show. Second segment, we're going to discuss the College World Series, and you may ask, why are we going to do that? This is a locked-on national show. Well, the MLB draft is now less than a month away, and we know that the Nationals have narrowed it down to about three prospects and all three prospects will be playing this weekend highlighted by Dylan Cruz, Paul Skeens, and Wyatt Langford. So we're going to preview that weekend and also talk about some draft implications for the College World Series as well. But we're going to start out with discussing last night's game as obviously it was a fun one. Yesterday's show, it was not a fun one. It was a negative Nancy show, as I like to say wasn't a fun time to discuss umpires and all these different rules and why I was yelling about that terrible missed call in that Nationals game in Houston. But we're going to discuss last night's win because that's where it was a fun little match. But I'm also going to discuss a little bit about the closing role. We're going to get into it a little bit later. But let's start with Mackenzie Gore. Last night, five and two-thirds innings pitch. He only gave up four hits. He struck out four and walked. Three, The walking part of it, we know this. Young pitcher, Mackenzie Gore. A little bit of a command issue so far, but that's not unusual for a young starting pitcher. As he gets into the season, you start to see a little bit more of a maturity factor with this when developing someone like a Mackenzie Gore. He's only going to get better as time goes on. And going up against the defending World Series champion, Houston Astros, that was a huge get-it-together game for Mackenzie Gore after kind of getting rocked in his last start. He got the wheels going. He had his all his stuff going, his curveball, his fastball. When you're throwing your fastball 97 miles per hour as a left-handed pitcher, for some reason, it's just a little bit tougher in my mind. And that's what a lot of hitters say, especially for Mackenzie Gore, someone who is tall and kind of has a really long delivery, which is good. The timing of hitters were kind of thrown off as we saw in yesterday's game. 
especially with someone like a Kyle Tucker, a left-handed bat, and a Jordan Alvarez, who is not in the lineup over the next few weeks for an injury. That is a key thing to have Gore get that going and really start to settle in as this team's best pitcher in the game, in my opinion. He is this best team's pitcher as we got right now. And you might say, well, Josiah Gray. Yes, Josiah Gray. Amazing. I love Josiah Gray. But Mackenzie Gore and what he has continued to do so far in the year of 2023 has impressed me like no other. Truly. You can't think of a Nationals rookie starting pitcher since Steven Strasburg who has had this sort of luck the way that Mackenzie Gore has. You've seen the ace potential in him. It's literally been since Steven Strasburg since we have had this good of a young pitcher in our system in my mind. Not Lucas Giolito. Joe Ross had a pretty good rookie year here. But again, Mackenzie Gore and his stuff. He shows just a little bit more than a box score number that may look good. For example, he's one of the highest strikeout rates in all of baseball at this moment. And especially for left-handed pitchers, he's up there. And he is way up there. But look beyond that. He's 24 years old. He continues to go out there and have quality start after quality start. Look at the numbers of a Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg. All these dominant young pitchers early on in their career who never really got it together. Mackenzie Gore is on that fast track, and that is why he pitched so damn well against the Houston Astros last night. But obviously the Nationals did have a little bit of a wacky situation again as it was tied up going into the ninth inning, 0-0, to zero, Kiber Ruiz. The man, the myth, the legend in that top of the ninth inning has a solo home run over to right field, which was just what we needed. Because Kiber Ruiz last night, while he was very good, in my opinion, adding, adding multiple hits over his few at-bats, having two huge hits, one to break the tie there, and then also later on in the game to make it 4-1 to in that 10th inning. Kiber Ruiz when you need a hit out of him, it seems as if this guy does come up. And if you were to look at his expected numbers, like except expected batting average, expected slugging, expected on base, he has been one of the most unluckiest hitters in all of baseball up to 2023. He's just one of those guys where he finds a fielder every time he puts it in play. Because we know, as far as anyone across Major League Baseball, there's not a single better hitter that comes in and doesn't strike out. Kiber Ruiz does not strike out whatsoever. He is a hard out, and he has continued to prove that over time. But also in that 10th inning, let's talk about that. Lane Thomas opens it up, makes it 2-1 to one with a single, scoring a runner from third base, which I believe was C.J. Abrams. I don't have that up in front of me right now. Then later on, Corey Dickerson walks, walks with the bases loaded to make it 3-1. to one. And that is where you start to see these key pieces for the Nationals, like Elaine Thomas, a Corey Dickerson, someone who is a power bat. Not necessarily the power bat that we have expected so far, but he's been putting up quality at-bats, and that is noticeable. So when he did that last night, walking with the bases loaded, being patient, it was just oh so beautiful. Because after game two of this series, the Nationals needed to have this little come up. But also, it wasn't the only good thing that happened yesterday and just because it was a good game doesn't mean it was all pretty because it wasn't this is something that is starting to concern me a little bit 
CJ Abrams only has four hits in his last 34 at-bats. Eight Ks, no walks, and has a 294 OPS in June. That is not what I want to see from someone like CJ Abrams. And especially going up against tonight with a Sandy Alcantara. Ugh. Yikes. You want to see more from CJ Abrams. Now, I say I am a little concerned. I'm not concerned about his future. I'm not concerned about him being a stud shortstop because I truly do believe in what he does. I think he's going to get better and he's going to produce just a little bit more as we get on in his career. But in the now, it is a little worrisome. Let's just be honest. I'm not down on him. I'm not thinking any different of him. But you were to be lying if you were to say, yeah, I'm looking at this. I'm starting to notice. It hasn't been that great lately. And that's all. That is all. You should not be concerned with the product that C.J. Abrams has put out there. He's 22 years old. He won't be turning 23 for a little while. Let the guy cook. Let the guy produce. Let him figure out his own way in the major leagues. Because we see the flashes. You see the, even the potential power that he has as he continues to grow and mature as a player. It's going to happen. But another issue, as I said in the cold open, was that I want to see the last time this guy comes in the ninth inning. And that guy is Hunter Harvey. Because the Nationals enter the ninth inning with a one-run lead, and here comes in Hunter Harvey. I like Hunter Harvey. In fact, I love Hunter Harvey. But I think we now see that he isn't a closer. And I truly do mean that. He has the makeup of a closer. You look at him and what he does at high velocity. He has nice breaking pitches. But at this moment in time, I'm going back to Kyle Finnegan as that premier closer. And not just from what I've seen from last night, but I think people just kind of pluck their ears and don't really listen because Kyle Finnegan hasn't been that bad recently. Now, while he hasn't been the most reliable of pitchers in baseball, of course, this Nationals bullpen is not a reliable one. Surprise. But still, Hunter Harvey seems a little raw out there. And that's all right. Hunter Harvey doesn't have to be this closer. He doesn't have to be this huge monster all-star closer. Nah, he can just be a normal arm, bullpen arm. So when you bring in as a setup man in the seventh inning or the sixth, the eighth, whatever it may be. And I think he's going to use that role and excel at it. But Kyle Finnegan at this point, I would put him as the closer just from what I have seen. He's been a little bit more reliable in that spot. That's just my opinion. So I want to go back to the bullpen in the original plan. And that plan is to have Finnegan close games and have Harvey alongside Mason Thompson, who has looked a lot better recently, by the way, be that setup guy. And Finnegan stay as the closer. It's not necessarily an easy decision, by the way. But Finnegan... He isn't some crown jewel closer where he's irreplaceable. I understand that. But you can't just judge a book by its cover, you know? Because you're judging a book by its cover and you're looking at Hunter Harvey and you're like, the guy has high velocity, he's got good breaking pitches, and he's got decent command overall. Let's make him our closer. Nuh-uh. He just doesn't have it. I wish I was a pitching coach and I wish I could tell you what he doesn't have. But when just looking at him from afar, As a fan, seeing him day in and day out pitch with this national staff just hasn't been good as a closer. 
So thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. And of course, tonight, the Nationals take on the Miami Marlins at 710 Eastern Time back at Nationals Park. And the Nationals hometown broadcast is always with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Nationals there. Before we get into previewing this little College World Series action, let me tell you guys about my friends over at Bird Dogs. And guys, Bird Dogs is one of my favorite treats out there because they have stretch khaki shorts and they are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs use an anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that makes you cool and dry all day long. And guys, I know I've told you about my Bird Dogs and I have some thick thighs. I got thunder thighs, as they say. But my bird dog's pants, they make me look fit and amazing. And that is why I love them. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on MLB for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. I can promise you that. Now we get back into it as the Nationals. Have a pretty big draft coming up with some big decisions to make. Let's preview this. Paul Skeens, Wyatt Langford, and Dylan Cruz. All on national TV this entire weekend with Wyatt Langford getting started off for Florida tonight. And guys, these three guys, I can promise you this. I will bet all my net worth, which is about $126, that these three guys will be a Washington National going forward. One of the three. I don't know who. I don't know what. I don't know when. Paul Skeens, Wyatt Langford, and Dylan Cruz. One of those three will be a Washington National going forward with that number two overall pick coming up in a little early on in July. The Right now, the obvious selection for the Nationals that everyone has been talking about is Paul Skeens, the right-handed pitcher from LSU who has taken the SEC and college baseball and the baseball world by storm this year, being one of the most dominant pitchers since Steven Strasburg, and he's not doing this in the Mountain West Conference. He has done this in the Southeastern Conference, the SEC, the kingdom of college baseball, you might say. There is no better talent in all of college baseball than the SEC. They are different, simply different. You see it every year. There are multiple guys from the SEC who get drafted in the top 10 in the MLB draft. It's for really any sport you look at. College football, college basketball, and college baseball. The SEC is dominant. So you have Paul Skeens going this weekend against Tennessee, who again, they have a couple of top prospects as well, noticeably with Chase Dollander. I believe that's how you say his last name. A lot of people have pronounced that name differently over time. That's a different day for a different story. Skeens is going to be going up against Tennessee tomorrow night. That is what all signs are pointing to. You will get to see Paul Skeens and what he provides. You're going to see someone who is sitting 100 miles per hour with his fastball. He's got a 70-grade slider. Plenty of sites believe could be his best pitch in the major leagues. And the scary thing is that I keep on talking about with Paul Skeens. This is his first year as a full-time pitcher. 
this guy played at the university or not the, the air force Academy rather over the last few years. And he's been a two way player. He's hit and he's pitched this year at LSU. He's not hitting. He's just simply pitching. And what has he done so far as just a pitcher? All he's done is set multiple records, multiple strikeout records, averaging about 17 strikeouts per nine innings. That's all that he's done. This guy is the best pitcher since Steven Strasburg coming out of the draft. And in my opinion, he's even better than a Steven Strasburg prospect. But he's got a teammate, this guy Dylan Cruz, who has kind of outshined him just a little bit. Paul Skeens in most drafts over the last few years would be the number one overall pick and it probably wouldn't even be close. I say that because Dylan Cruz has one of the best hit tools that the draft has ever seen up to this point. You can make a case for this guy having a 75 hit tool. And if you don't really know the scouting grades, a 75 hit tool is about as much as you could get. 80 is the top grade, and not many people are getting 80 hit tool grades. But I would blatantly put him as a 75 and I'd feel pretty damn good about it. This guy has a batting average over 400 again as a center fielder, someone who plays uh relatively pretty well center field. Does he stick in center field? A lot of people think that, but he could be at a, a corner outfield spot. Because when you have a special bat the way that Dylan Cruz does, not only is this guy going to fly through the minor leagues, but this is someone who if he continues to grow and continues to develop as a prospect he's going to have a little more power than what people have expected in his career because Dylan Cruz can hit home runs but the hitting portion in college is also a little different obviously the pitching is a little bit worse than the pros or a lot of bit worse it's college kids compared to pros but not only that they're using metal bats as you all know that adds a lot of power and a lot of juice to it but still, you do these wood bat summer camps and all these different tournaments in the offseason that Dylan Cruz has proven himself that he is the real deal as he continues to show his hit tool and be that top dog in the MLB draft. If Dylan Cruz were to fall to the Washington Nationals at number two, there's no discussion about it. He's going to be the pick there. But that is a long shot. Unless the Pittsburgh Pirates do the unthinkable and take someone else, take a high schooler, because there's a couple of high schoolers who are also pretty big prospects, and they could cut a little deal with them at that number one overall pick. And if they do, the Nationals, man, oh, man, what a day for them. What a day to celebrate, because that pick right there is Dylan Cruz, and you're not looking back. I love Paul Skeens. You're drafting Dylan Cruz over Paul Skeens any day of the week. Wyatt Langford plays tonight. University of Florida kid, Probably a, definitely a corner outfielder in the big leagues because he just hasn't really proven the defensive side of things, although he did make a nice little catch the other day. But Wyatt Langford is your pure power hitter, someone who could hit for average, but what he's known for is his power, his extra base hit potential. And also, he can steal a few bags here and there. He's nothing crazy. He's not some 55-60 grade steal guy, but still, he can run. He's not some moose like Riley Adams out there who is just staying still on the base path. Riley Adams just caught shrapnel there. That's a little mean. Sorry. But Wyatt Langford, he's kind of a special bat as well. And again, in some drafts, not all, not to the extent of Paul Skeens or a Dylan Cruz, 
he would be well in consideration going number one overall just because of the power that he provides in the really natural ability to play a corner outfield spot like a right or a left field. Left field will probably be where his destination is in the bigs. But again, you are drafting the power and the hit tool that he can provide because that is what the game is going to nowadays. He is kind of like your typical draft prospect to where you want in that top five in the MLB draft. He's not going to be there past that number five pick. I can promise you that. Because this guy's hit tool and his power is way too valuable to pass on. If he was there past that number five pick and really past the number three overall pick, I'd be stunned just from what he provides. So you guys got to check out these guys this weekend. Do your own little scouting. I'll have some recaps on Monday and really discuss that weekend because the College World Series is a really fun time for everyone. Before we get into all things Sandy Alcantara against Trevor Williams, of course, you guys can catch the Nats play the Marlins tonight at 7:10 Eastern time because it's Sandy Alcantara versus Trevor Williams. But Sandy Alcantara might not be who you think he is. I'll explain a little bit later. But catch every pitch of the Nats hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Nationals. Before we get into previewing that game, let's tell you guys about my friends over at FanDuel. And guys, make your way to FanDuel because right now new customers can get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. This is what I'm going to do. Tonight, Sandy Alcantara on the mound. Guess what? I'm feeling a little bit lucky. I'm feeling a little bit lucky. I'm going to throw a few shekels on the Nationals to win on the run line. I really like this. I'm going to take them plus one and a half. You're going to get plus money back, so ride with me. And guess what? A Luis Garcia home run, because why not? There's no better place bet all the playoff action and really anything you want at America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. And now we get back into it as Sandy Alcantara takes on Trevor Williams in the Washington Nationals tonight. Trevor Williams, I've talked about him. I like his stuff. I like what he has done so far this season for the Nationals. He hasn't really blown it way too much where you're getting six-plus earned runs in a start. It's typically around two to three runs, and that is just fine for a four-to-five starter in a pretty not-so-great rotation so far this season. But Trevor Williams will have all the potential in the world going up against a Marlins offense that doesn't really like to keep the ball in the yard. But Trevor Williams, I trust in his abilities to, one, kind of humble this Marlins offense when you have someone like a a Luis Arias who is just, he's the Dylan Cruz of Major League Baseball right now. He gets hits every time he gets up to the plate, especially a left-handed bat like him. That's a little concerning. A Jorge Soler, that's also a little bit concerning as we've talked about him a ton this season. But you got Sandy Alcantara on the mound, and in a handful of starts at Nationals Park, he's hovering around a 3-3 ERA. He's had a little bit of a nice little stretch against the Washington Nationals, you could say. This guy was a Cy Young winner of last year. One of the best pitchers in all of baseball, probably the best pitcher in all of baseball in my opinion. But Sandy Alcantara has been a different little beast this year. 
A lot of people have been hitting him way more than they were last year. He's given up a tad more home runs. He's not striking out people at the rate he was last year. So what's the deal with him? Is he not good anymore? Has he just fallen off? What's going on with Sandy Alcantara? Well, I can tell you this. I just think it's the fact that people have caught on to what he has done so far this season, especially in an improved NL East in my mind with the New York Mets having a really solid offense. Obviously, the Atlanta Braves are doing what they do. The Obviously, he doesn't face the Miami Marlins, but the Philadelphia Phillies as well. All those teams are relatively tough, and then you have the scrappy Washington Nationals. Not the star power, not the general power that those teams have, but this Nationals team, they can hit you around a little bit. They can do it the old school way and knock you around the yard. They'll find holes. This Nationals team is not an easy out, as a lot of pitchers have learned over the year. This Nationals team is scrappy. It is a scrappy squad. And when you have a scrappy squad, you like your chances going into really any game. Because as we've said, this Nationals team can prove themselves time and time again. And so I think the Nationals, for the third straight day, I'm going to predict a win. Why not? Why not? Why not? I don't know why I am, but I'm just using this as like a kind of, I hope I win this bet. Because there's really no facts or anything as to why I should be picking the Nationals to win this game. But I can tell you this, it makes it a little more fun to predict the win. Put a little money on it with my friends over at FanDuel. It's a fun time. You should do that as well. So you guys can catch the first pitch as the Nationals play the Marlins tonight at 7:10 Eastern time back at Nationals Park. Former Cy Young winner Sandy Alcantara taking the mound against Trevor Williams. Catch every pitch of the Nats hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Nationals. And again, guys, I'll catch you on the flip side. We'll talk some Nationals baseball and do all the other stuff come this Monday. I'll catch you guys on the flip side. Have a good one. Go Nats.